Now recording. This is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron and Abe is, well, he, he was called out to a meeting, which is unfortunate because this is going to be a good one. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back into uh, other fun movie topics. This is episode 389, 389, and this week we're talking The Irishman, the new Martin Scorsese film that's available on Netflix and very select theaters, also known as I Heard You Paint Houses. Uh, joining me today to discuss The Irishman, we have managing editor for 812 Film Reviews. He still doesn't know what kind of fish it was. It's Robert Daniels. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Aaron. Also joining us for Movies, Marcus. He always charges a guy off a gun. It's Marcus Robinson. Hey, hey what's going on? When's Abe coming? <laughs> he's, he's, he's on his way, I swear. <laughs> no, it's a boy. He was really excited, too. He got called into like a team meeting, and I'm like, no, that's terrible, because I have a great game for you guys later on in the episode. That was, that was my main concern. I could, I, give or take, to this. I could give or take what his opinion of the Irishman is, like, whatever. I just wanted to play a game with <laughs> But no, we're going to do this. It's going to be a fun show. Uh, let me get to some show notes real quick. First up, a uh, new commentary track. Every month we do a commentary on this podcast, and in honor of the upcoming Rise of the Skywalker, we did a commentary track for Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, which completes our run of the Lucas era of Star Wars films. We have one for every episode up until 6 now. Uh, so yeah, that's up now. That was a lot of fun. We recorded that with Scott, Yancey, and Brandon. Uh, good power-packed episode, because that movie is long. Uh, so yeah, we talked a lot about Star Wars there. That's on iTunes now. Speaking of which, you can find all of our episodes on iTunes, and you can give us a review or rating on iTunes as well. You can search our show, Out Now with Aaron and Abe, head on to iTunes, write up a uh, little review if you want to, give us a star rating. All those things would be very helpful. Pop us up in the old iTunes charts. So, uh, yeah, thank you for that in advance. That, that'd be a great holiday present. New iTunes reviews, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> anyway, wow. let's... Um... Your standards. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> and you know what I say. I mean, it's almost Hanukkah, so eight new eight new iTunes reviews would be amazing. That's, there we go. That's 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 the Hanukkah out now challenge. I'm putting that out there right now. <laughs> um, but let's see. Let's get to some. Uh, let's get to some know everybody. Week to week, we ask each other a question or two. Try to set the tone for the podcast. We better get to know, know everybody. everybody. Thank you, Marcus. That was good. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, I have a question for you guys. Have you ever painted a house? <laughs> Metaphorically? <laughs> or... <laughs> I mean, if you want to admit to some heinous uh, crime involving house painting, sure. But have you ever actually painted a house? This is off the air, right? <laughs> never, I've never painted a house. Yeah, same here. Never? Not even like a wall inside or something like that? No. Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or only for typing, and I try to stay away from manual labor at all. Well, good on you. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I have not either. Um, I've I've painted things, but I've not painted a house before. So, yeah, I've, yeah that's that's all I got for that one. Yeah, unless anyone wants to admit to murder. <laughs> Any takers? No? No? Okay. <laughs> no. Uh, no. <laughs> there was that one time. Wrong. That one time. Wrong demographic for that. Yeah. <laughs> Post. All right. Well, let's move on then. All right, was, all right. All right. Yeah. That's how you play. No, everybody. No, everybody. <laughs> let's move on now. Uh, 
<laughs> Let's get to some out now quickies. DM. Each week in out now, we have yeah. one movie of the week. We talk about with those movies. Let's out now quickies. DM. Yeah. All right, Marcus. Let's start with you. What other movies have you seen recently? <laughs> uh okay uh let's see i saw marriage story but we'll we'll talk about that later um honey boy i don't know if you guys talked about this already but um i am probably like the biggest shia fan in the room i'm aware i don't know if anybody else (laughs) did you did you uh dress as shia for comic-con i don't i don't think so (laughs) no anyway (laughs) so i was was really looking forward to this this movie um he finally came to uh, the theater near my house, so I was amped. And it okay. So anyway, it's 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 the movie about uh, a semi autobiographical story of Shia LaBeouf's childhood right before he hit it really really big, where he's he's living with his father, who was an ex rodeo clown, in a, like a hotel slum area in L.A. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like it's a hotel-looking slumish area, you know. Um, I, I was kind of disappointed. I, I really, I, there's something to be said for an artist uh, who's like as raw as Shia telling a story about his child abuse. There's something, you know, kind of interesting about that. But I just didn't connect with anything besides Shia and the dad stuff, which is probably about. 65 70 percent of the movie it's it's a substantial part of the movie but everything else i didn't i didn't really care about um the when, you acting's say, when, great. You say, when you say everything else what are you referring to because i can only think of i'm just saying adult shia, okay but... so yeah so i'm saying yeah so i'm saying the adult shia stuff uh with lucas hedges who's very good like the acting is a 10 the acting is so good i i love the acting um in this movie especially from um noah Jupe. noah Jupe? yeah He's he's so good as young Shia, who's apparently and, British. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had no. I, I saw an interview with him. I had no idea. I didn't know this can, until Ford versus Ferrari. I'm like, is he putting on an accent or is he just from Britain? And I didn't know this the whole time. Is this his real voice? Um, and Lucas Hedges is surprisingly like not, not. I don't know if it's doing an impression, but he's like encompassing Shia. Like he's like he is Shia. Like I kind of got. Shia's in the movie. He plays his own dad. But I got – they almost seem to meld together into this one kind of southern-sounding – I know he's from, like, New Orleans or something. But they had, he had that slang and he had the mannerisms and he had the, the, the facial expression. It was, it was very good. Um, the, everything else I'm talking about is – he he does some movie stuff and he does some uh, they're going to to rehearsals and their their uh, interactions with um uh the 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 make not the make a wish um the big brother okay yeah big uh, brother stuff and everything that's not like them two alone mm-hmm. that the stuff that's them two alone I really did enjoy a lot the acting was like I said it was really really good everything else I I really didn't care. And that kind of includes the story. I really didn't care. And I really wanted to love this movie in, in all facets, but I just I didn't care about that. Not to get too know. not to get too focused on Honey Boy, but Robert, have you seen you've seen the film, I assume. Yeah, um I haven't I haven't watched it in a while. I think I watched last time I watched it was at Sundance. Uh, so it's almost been a year. Okay. <laughs> you know, uh, but um but I I remember loving Honey Boy. I I like the um uh, the 
using art as a form of therapy. Um, I thought of two that Noah Jupe and um, and and Lucas Hedges and Shia LaBeouf all did great active performances. Though, like sometimes seeing Lucas Hedges not physically look like um, Shia did take me out of the story a little bit. But I remember um, really loving the cinematography. It's a very well shot film, um, incredibly beautiful film, um, especially the lighting. Um, but um, I do remember that last act. <laughs> so, without being spoilerly, but the, the the girl that lives by them in the in this like hotel area. I do remember like thinking that was okay. <laughs> I don't know what, what crazy though we're going to, but whatever, I'm here for the ride. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like I, I cause I, I don't think the film, I didn't call it, I didn't call it great. I do think it's good though. And it's mainly because of, yes, the performances. So I was just, I'm, I'm curious if it's because of your sky, your sky high appraisal of Shia. Maybe. <laughs> I, want, I wanted to, <laughs> my, my, my hero, Shia, I, it was, it was, the story was just kind of, I didn't care um, as much as I wanted to. I, I was really blown away by the acting more than I thought I would be. I was in like really in like when these characters were just alone in a room together going back and forth and it happens a lot. I was really invested in what they were doing at the moment and what they were saying at the moment and everything about their back and forth. Did you see a peanut butter Falcon? I did not. Oh, well that's a, there's another I shot. I, seen it either. Not, I know that's, that's right up your alley as far as like shy doing his <laughs> thing. Like, <laughs> Oh man. We'll see. I'll, I'll wait for your uh, you know, your end of the year list when you squeeze that in. <laughs> <laughs> That's number one. Any other movies you wanted to mention? I mean I saw Queen and Slim like a couple weeks ago. It, it it was um it's I'm kinda saying what everybody else is saying. Um I think if it would just it, it kind of put too many stories and I think it focused on the love story a little bit too much for me. Like I, I had to, they had to fall in love, and they had to do, and it, it almost like prolonged the story a little bit for me. But I love when directors or uh, scripts or stories do something different, and they go outside of their box, and they're really pushing this limit. And so I think that's what I admired about the story more than anything else. The and the look is fantastic. I think. Yeah, and I was I was a big fan of Queen and Slim. Dad's movie corner. He watched it the other day. He really liked it. So <laughs> that was really into I, Queen I mean, and Slim. Yeah. yeah, I would I would recommend it. I just it, it, it's not. I wanted it. I think I wanted it to be like uh, just because it's a black thing. It's not just a black thing, but I wanted it to be Moonlight. I wanted it to be that Moonlight is like my perfection mm-hmm. area, mm. and it just it was it was it was like first time stuff really really strong try really strong efforts but it could have been a little edited down i think and it could but i'm mm-hmm. kind of you know no, i hear you uh robert what uh what movies have you seen recently um hmm, the most recent i think there haven't been many screenings lately because of um because of all the award stuff uh 1917 was the last thing i saw i think mm-hmm um, and 1917, actually, uh, uh, liked it, didn't love it. Um, uh, incredible feel. 
um, I think uh, Brian Tallarico on, on Twitter said this best about it. Like, it feels, there are portions that feel very video gamey in terms of like camera moves and the one shot. Um, and I think sometimes that makes it emotionally hollow in some way. If it, it feels like you're you're divested from 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 the lead characters, uh, like I didn't get the emotional pull of it. I just didn't. But like in terms of a in terms of technical quality, I I can't think of a film that's better edited this year other than the one we're going to be talking about today, Irishman. All right. Yeah, I can't speak too much to 1917 yet because that's an episode we're going to do later. Um, so, but um, it, it's yeah, there you can't not praise the technical aspect of the film. That's that is a thing that just seems like factual. Like I can't I can't not say that. Yeah. <laughs> is it is it true that it's supposed it's I mean it's it's uh, faked out a little bit, but it's meant to look like it's in one shot. Well, it's desi- it's designed to feel like one continuous shot, with one exception. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. yeah, can't that's, wait. Yeah. That's the best. That's the best way to put it. I mean, regardless of how it was accomplished, the movie's structure is that you're watching a continuous shot following a couple soldiers. So there you go. Awesome. I will. Say, I mean, I should, say, I should say it for the actual podcast. I will say. I will say though, in terms of in terms of describing a movie as a video game in this kind of way, I would. I. I mean. I don't not see it, but I don't see that as a detractor when I can think of similar films like Children of Men or Son of Saul in the same kind of wow. way. Like I, those are films that I take very seriously, and I find the emotional mm. heft to them. But I also very much feel that you could watch it as like basically someone playing a video game, which is certainly interesting for something like Son of Saul, which involves you know yeah. the worst possible <laughs> subject matter for a film. But the way that camera, the way that camera what floats, be, the way that camera floats behind our main character behind Saul for you know the good portion of the film is basically like watching a third person adventure game <laughs> like it, it's it's terrible what he's dealing with but that's that will be the movie has that kind of feel to it so it's i mm-hmm. i i hear what you're saying and i i look forward to <laughs> reading what you have to say as well as having our own our own uh, podcast discussion about this because i'm sure that's not gonna be the you're not you're not the last person that's gonna have to say that but um it is something i kind of <laughs> in that regard um all right I've seen a couple of films that I want to make note of. First up is Clemency. Uh, this movie opens, opens uh, in about a month. Um, it has uh, Alfred Woodard as a prison warden, a death sorry, a death row prison warden, and it deals with her basically her um, her emotional pull or like what's involved in being the uh, you know the warden on a prison where people go under death row, specifically with a a, a prisoner played by Aldous Hodge, who is currently a he's been sentenced for for death and. They're kind of dealing with anything they can to either get him off of this or deal with, you know, the inevitable. Um, in all of this, Alfred Woodard is dealing with just like trying to be a person that stays in the middle in all of these things, doesn't want to get directly involved because she's supposed to be somewhat impartial. At the same time, that takes that takes a heavy toll on somebody, um, especially when you have so many voices shouting at you as how to take it. I think the movie's very well acted. I think Alfred Woodard and and Aldous Hodge are are very good in this film. Um, I know there was awards buzz for Alfred Woodard at this point, although we're seeing all these like awards announcements and she's not been (laughs) named in many of them. And I think it's a bit of a shame uh, because I've seen a a lot of the performances that are up there. It's like, yeah, I've seen this kind of work before, but you don't see Woodard getting that much, you know, recognition for things. And I've seen a number of films that deal with uh, the death penalty this year. So for some reason there was the, uh, the movie trial by fire earlier in the year. 
and there's just mercy mm-hmm. which is all there's just mercy which is also coming out and this one i think is the best one i i think it does a a, a very good job of giving you characters that you can really invest in for various reasons and the way it handles the nature of the death penalty i found to be interesting without being preachy in a way where just mercy for the things i think it does right it does there are other things that don't work as well this movie i think has a better kind of handle on how it's trying to tell you something in the midst of telling you a good character story as well so that's mm-hmm. clemency uh, the uh, the other film i've seen is a hidden life the terrence malick film Oh, wow. Uh, which I've been um, waiting to see for a while. Yeah. My lovely girlfriend and I finally were able to see it yesterday. I will say I have I haven't got off the Malik train. Like I know his <laughs> his I know his recent films. His recent very ponderous films have rubbed certain people the wrong way as far as their lack of a traditional narrative or how the characters seem to just be floating around and the narration and all these things. I dig it. Like if they, I mean I get plenty of prestige filmmakers that do their thing very well. I'm not really going to argue against Malik doing his thing and, you know, making it for me intriguing and entertaining to whatever extent that means. So I've just, it's like, yeah, all right. Some of these aren't my favorites of Malik's, although I really like song to song, but this one is back to being a more traditional narrative. This one has a very specific story that it wants to tell about an Austrian farmer who isn't the biggest fan of Hitler. I mean, who can blame him? Um, but um, <laughs> but um, in addition to his hesitance to you know join the service, he certainly doesn't want to swear an oath to Hitler, and that gets him into trouble. And things kind of go from there. This is his, this is Malik's longest movie, which is saying something. What? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but Over three hours, right? Yeah, it's it's just under three hours, uh, but it's still just it's still his longest movie. And re- regardless, I really liked it. I, I was a big fan of what he was doing here. He doesn't have Chivo as a cinematographer this time around. He has one of his um, one of Lubezki's one of his camera operators. I think steps in for the uh, cinematography here, but it still looks fantastic. I had the the score. Uh, James Newman Howard steps in once again to do the score. I think is very good. The acting from all over is quite good. I was very curious if the movie was going to be in German, since I know that it's set in World War II, obviously, and it has. It's, but the movie it takes it. It makes a choice where the Austrian characters do speak English, but only when you're hearing like the Nazis talk is when you hear German, and it's not. There's no subtitles. Mainly because Nazis mm. tend to have a pretty screamy, understandable voice of what they're saying. Um, <laughs> but regardless, I just think like the, the way the story's told, it certainly fits the mold of a Malick film. And given that I've just been into what he does in general, I can't say that I've found much to be different here. I think this movie's pretty fantastic. And it reminded me a lot of uh, Scorsese's Silence, uh, actually, as far okay. as the use of religion and how one... like allows that to help him contend with the things the, the challenges that they have to face uh they're different movies obviously but i do think there's a lot of interesting connective tissue there between them as far as what a filmmaker's trying to say about his own religion and what he does with these characters in a movie that's based off a true story so no hidden life i, I was really into it all right that's enough please let's um yeah let's uh let's move on let's get some trailer talk for one of the newest movie trailers of the week when we thought about what comes out and what have you uh, this week we have the latest james bond trailer the first james bond trailer for no time to die the 25th installment of the james bond series once again starring daniel craig directed by um uh carrie fukunaga but yeah bond is back what did we think uh robert what'd you think of the are you are you a bond fan what'd you think of this trailer Oh, I love Bond. Um, I especially love Daniel Craig as Bond. Um, now, granted, I don't like seeing Christoph Waltz, maybe the weakest 
um, villain he's ever faced back here. But, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Rami Malek has a, looks like a phantom of an opera stand-in, so we'll see how that works <laughs> out. But, <laughs> but, I mean, overall, I, you know, it, the trailer, you know, it, it looks like Daniel Craig Bond, everything's like gritty, um, but there's still like this sleek design to it. Um, and I am interested in the I am interested in the the overall storyline of, of a black female 007. We don't get as much of Lashana Lynch in the trailer as I was hoping, but they're probably gonna say that obviously from the film. Um, so I mean, I I left I I left at least yeah. You know, it has all the good bondisms, you know, cars, women. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's, you you get what you get with this trailer, and I, yeah, and and I'm I'm excited for, especially considering this is going to be Daniel Craig's last one. Marcus, how about you? Where are you with No Time to Die? Yeah, I I'm kind of on the same boat. It, it, I don't know that anything really stood out to me other than Rami Malek looking like, I guess, the correct choice of bad guy, but <laughs> I. I it just it looks like a Bond trailer to me, you know. <laughs> uh, I, I think the the most exciting thing about this whole thing is that Kerry uh, Fukunaga is directing it, and that's particularly why I'm going to go see it. Um, I do enjoy these Bond. I think Casino Royale is my favorite Bond of all time, uh, so I will go see these, especially since I want to see how it transitions. Uh, it's a curiosity to me. Yeah, I'm a big Bond fan. People, fans of the podcast are aware of that. We've done a lot of Bond commentaries with uh, Brandon Peters and Scott Mendelson. Those, those are always a fun time because we just like this series in general. Um, I like Daniel Craig as Bond. I've been mixed on his movies. There are two good ones and there are two less good ones. Um, <laughs> the, the, this, is the, this is the fifth one. So if we're going by that logic, hopefully this is a good one again because that's tends to it's been one good, one bad. <laughs> so um, it's weird how, not weird, it's fitting that like Spectre is just such a shrug for everybody where like it seems like a collective agreement that that movie's just like, well, they made it. Like, like it's, it's. Yeah. I didn't particularly. I didn't think it was particularly terrible. I just didn't think it was particularly great either. It just kind of like sits there. It's like, yeah, that's one of those. Like, so it's like, it. I I am kind of a fan of Quantum of Solace. I was that. It has its defenders. I know you. You know, you're you're all wrong, but that's fine. I mean, that's. It had the eco terrorists angle before it got boring and overused. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, it, yeah, we'll it. <laughs> but no, I, as far as this trailer goes, I thought this was great. This is just like, it just, I like how it just throws you right in. Like it, it, it doesn't do much to be like, oh, we have to reintroduce Daniel Craig. But it just throws you into like, they're in a car chase and he's yelling at his wife. And it's like, all right, like, and then what? Okay, he jumps off a bridge. Okay, cool. What else? He's in suits and he has guns and he's talking to bad guys and there's secret agents and all that. Like, yeah, this is just giving me all the Bond stuff I haven't seen for a while since it's been five years since we saw Spectre at this point. So it's like, yeah, all right, I'm back in Bond world. And everyone looks very comfortable to be in Bond world. So, yeah, give me more of that, please. I like that it looks big. It looks like a movie that they've traveled all over the world to film. Even if they shot a lot of it at Pinewood Studios, I don't care. It looks like a big action movie. I, I'm happy to see big action movies that feel like they have a director that shot them and not, you know, the second unit team shooting CGI um, pre-vised scenes that have been shot all over the place. So, you know, I'm, I'm into this. I, I'm into what I'm seeing so far for, a, you know, a teaser trailer for a new Bond movie. I'm all in. So, uh, yeah. Uh no time to die arrives in theaters april 8th 2020 
April, which I think it's like the first time it's been in April. <laughs> for, for I think like I think from Russia with Love was like the only time it's ever been an April release, but certainly since like the like not even the the Dalton days that you were doing like November summer or November releases. So yeah, the <laughs> blockbusters all year. That's that's how we do things nowadays. <laughs> all right. With that out of the way, before we get to our main review for The Irishman, there I, I just wanted to point out that we like there's been a number of movies on Netflix that are certainly like notable as far as their prestige quality and just general, you know, goodness all around. And so I, I thought maybe we could spend a little bit of time talking about a uh, marriage story and Dolomite is my name because they're both currently on Netflix. They're both, I think we all agree, very good. And yeah. uh, just wanted to give them a bit of a shout out. So uh, just I, I, I think we Dolomite came out a few weeks ago, like back in. I think end of October at this point. Uh, any any general thoughts on on Dolomite? I, I I'll just start by saying I think Eddie Murphy. It's just great to see him oh, yeah. in a, in this kind of role again, one that's both yes. in tune to what he's capable of as a comedic actor, as well as just one that just seems like he personally connects to and wants to like throw this out there and be like, look at this man and what he did, and I'm showing you this yeah. and making it funny and everything. I just I think that works really well. But Marcus, you you agree? Yeah, totally. Eddie Murphy and uh, you know honestly Wesley Snipes. I was really, really entertained by both of them. I mean, Eddie takes over. This seems to be his baby. This is he's 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 reminding everybody why Eddie Murphy is Eddie Murphy. He can take these long breaks and come back and still be on his game. I mean, he's a particular. He's he's the biggest reason I like the movie. Um, that that's about it. I mean, and Wesley Snipes too. Wesley Snipes is great. Robert, you on the same page as far as, far as Dolomite goes? Yeah, um, I, I love Dolomite. Um, Eddie Murphy, like you guys said, I'm going to echo that, like, you know, this is great to see him back on screen. It's great to see him in a juicy role again. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the stuff he was taking. Whoa! <laughs> right. Uh, so, you know, what was the one? It felt like he was remaking Pluto Nash for a few years. <laughs> but seeing him back on screen, seeing uh, Wesley Snipes get another get another really good role. Wesley Snipes at times is just such a great scene stealer. Um, I, I'm honestly I that Wesley Snipes got to start doing comedies and how funny he can be if you give him the chance. Um, and Dolomite proves that. Um, and then this obviously should, the resplendent. This shouldn't be new. Yeah. I mean, like Wesley Snipes is like like think of like like White Man Can't Jump or even some of the stuff he does in Spike Lee's movies. I mean, he's always been yeah. very funny. Like like he's just he's a yeah. even, even like Demolition Man. Like he he has a great comedic energy that I, I think he can bring to any role. Um and it's but yeah, it is great. I mean, as far as like guys you haven't seen very often, yeah, it is great yeah. to see him like just here having fun with everyone even if he's like, you know, the the most jerkiest of the characters in this movie. Like it's totally <laughs> like it's fun to have him around. Also, I, I, yeah. I really, I really admire the story itself. Yeah, uh, it's, it's one that it, it's like there's these these stories that are forgotten about these these people that are are forgotten. I I I honestly had heard Dolomites the Dolomite name before, but I had never seen a Dolomite film or really knew any of his you know the the the, the spoken word comedy. Um, until I, I I I saw this movie, so I was really really um, pleased with with that they're making this particular movie. I was um, I was reading an inter- I was reading an interview with uh, the writers Scott Alexander and Larry Karaszewski, and they're they were talking about how they didn't want to just make Ed Wood two. 
Uh, these are the guys that wrote Ed Wood, of course, yeah. among other things. And it's like I get that. I, but I, at the same time, I, I get that they're still like applying a certain sensibility where it's a comedic biopic that's, you know, picking on an underdog, if you want to say or whatnot. But the difference is that Ed Wood, you know, he thought a lot of himself and the fame was never quite there. The movie even ends like in a fantasy world where this movie is just showing you like a person that wanted to do everything he could to both be a success and make people happy. And I think right. that reflects well on the story that's being told. I think you get a great depiction of people that have just like come together to make a show and they want to just have the best time doing it. And it, right. regardless of how it works out, there's a kind of, there's a positivity there that I think really speaks to you know, some good messaging as far as like what, what it means to kind of not just want to be successful, but like be able to accomplish something with one's life. And I, I think that's, uh, right. I think that's valuable yeah, for a movie like totally. this. Totally. Yes, it's a very loving film. It's like when the talk around it when it first came, when it first showed it, with that, oh, like, it's a new disaster artist. The disaster artist, at every turn, is really making fun of Tommy the Power. Like, this one really is celebrating Rudy Ray more, you know? Mm-hmm. And, by, and by all accounts, there's, like, there's nothing to kind of, I mean, I'm sure nobody's perfect, but I'm sure, like, it seems like the person he is... And even like the, the you know the separation between Dolomite and Rudy Ray Moore, it seems like they you know showing that guy there's humanity there. There's something that there and yeah, like you said, it's not a, it's not trying to make fun of Rudy Ray Moore. It's trying to like show you what this guy was, and I think that speaks well to what the film's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dolomite's on Netflix now. The other one is Marriage Story. This is the new Noah Baumbach film. It just debuted on Netflix this past weekend. It has Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson as a married couple that are going through a a rough divorce. Um, they have various attorneys, played by Laura Dern, Ray Liotta, and Alan Alda. Uh, there's a son that's caught in the middle of all of this as well. They're in New York and Los Angeles, which becomes a sticking point for both of them. Yeah, Robert, where are you with a Marriage Story? Um, I love Marriage Story. It's another great ensemble cast. Um, great acting. Um, it's wonderful seeing Alan Alda back on screen again. Um, and I... I I I adore his performance and <laughs> this is so Alan Alda, Baldwin, um, for sure. Yeah. And seeing seeing Ray Liotta on screen again, and then you know, you have just massive like these big swinging performances from Adam Driver and ScarJo and 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 um and Laura Dern. Um and I, it's it's such a well written film. <laughs> um every joke lands. Um and yeah it. it I, I think it's also a great. It has, this film has such great rewatch value too. Um, trying to figure out which side you're on in this divorce. No doubt, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of humor to be found for one thing, and a movie that really delves, you know, really puts you in the middle of it as far as the the lengths they're going to kind of get away in this whole thing. But I mean, it it has a lot of humor that kind of, you know, certainly nullifies some of the more, more dramatic moments, um, including one of the most like awkward and cringeworthy scenes that happens to also be funny late in the film uh, involving Adam Driver's character. I think if you've seen the film, you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, but Marcus, you, you like just watched this movie, I believe, right? I just, well, I just, yeah, I just finished watching it maybe a couple hours ago. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. I, I, the script's perfect. Um, the acting of everybody around, but especially Driver and, 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 and Johansson, some of their scenes together, especially there's a big, there's right. one that there's there's a bunch of them that culminate to this big blowout, which is spectacularly filmed. It's written perfectly, and it, I mean, I kind of teared up 
multiple times during that one scene. And I don't even particularly know why, but it was just that strong. And like you guys said, it's not all super serious. There is a lot of this kind of um, kind of Woody Allen-ish comedy in there. For sure, and yeah. this is this is the bomb back <laughs> thing. He, he's kind of he reminds me of kind of like Woody Allen without some of the cringe, but he really goes for it here. This seems this this is this is my favorite thing he's he's written since probably Squid and the Whale. I think this is really this complete thought that he had, and uh, you're just basically watching these people cut each other up for two hours, which sounds like a horrible watch, but it's really interesting, <laughs> really spectacularly put together. You know, you know, I've been I've been thinking about the kind of the directors that have made like a lot of films throughout this decade. And I'm looking at mm-hmm. Bombbox's work, and he's made a lot of really good movies. Like I, I've, 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 I've been quite, and I used to be rubbed somewhat the wrong way because of how acerbic some of his characters are, particularly right. in Squid and the Whale and uh, Margot at the Wedding. But Greenberg right. and on, things got more likable, honestly. Like with, with uh, Francis Ha, Mistress America, While We Are Young, like the character and uh, the Meyerowitz stories, they're still like it feels like Bombbox films, but there just seems like there's a I don't know if it's a lighter touch, but just something about it, like the the tone of I it feels so. like less. I think it's it like less, more of a lighthearted. It feels less aggressive as far as the characters I'm watching, like <laughs> they're where, not as mean. Where they're where they're very much trying to be a specific type, basically New Yorker. Um, but it um, it just for some reason it's really weird. You know what I'm saying, I, Mark? I, Marcus, I feel like you kind of agree, Robert. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, totally agree. Yeah, I agree too. Yeah, I, I can't yeah, really I, I can't really find any flaws in it. I, I I'm I, I'm only two hours out. So yeah, I'm, sure. Yeah, I'm gonna pick pick it apart pretty pretty well. But uh, it it came. I was blown away. I was blown away, and I, I had I had seen some of the the comments beforehand about the movie, and so my expectations were kind of high. Uh, but I didn't expect it to be. I uh, it's it, to me this was more of a complete thought than a Kramer versus Kramer. That's fair, I think, mm-hmm. actually, as far as presenting... And, it, like, I don't even like to get into the whole, like, which side is the better side thing. I just think right. it's just the film itself is telling you a very specific story and, it, I mean, yeah. your opinion. and where who's on, the, who's on the right or whatever you want to call it is, like, that's irregardless. You're just getting, like you're saying, a complete thought. I think is a great way to put it. That just makes sense to me. Um, it, in saying all that, not to short shrift the other actors, but I do think Driver's on, like, another level here. I think he's, like... He's fantastic. He's pretty fantastic uh, in this movie. <laughs> I mean, when uh, I, I don't want to blow any parts, but there's certain That's scenes where <laughs> there's yeah. certain scenes where he's in a he's in the, there's a scene where he's in a room with Alan Alda, and Alan's kind of just telling him, trying to lighten the mood because he know they know they're gonna it's not gonna end well. And he's just trying to, like, he's telling a joke, and he's this. And then he basically tells, you know, Adam Driver what's going on. And Adam breaks down in a way that is just like, oh, I felt it, like, Like, I just, it was, it was really good. Like, I've never seen Adam like this before. Scarlet, too, she's great. She's fantastic. She has scenes that are... Uh, another th- reason why I really like the scene is because they, they, there's, it's hard to fake a lot of the, the acting here because they, they really smash up against somebody's face for mm-hmm. uh, 
four minutes at a time or they'll follow you around the room. It's hard to hide anything or mask anything that should you either it works or it doesn't. And Scarlet has those scenes as well where it's three, four minutes where she's walking into another room where she's telling a story in the very beginning and she's breaking down and she's coming back and she's thinking and you can see her mind kind of wandering all over the place. But yeah, both of these people are, are great. But yeah, you're right. Driver, I've never seen him like this. To speak to one more scene before we move on, and it, it, it's it, it makes me th- it made me think of Alfred Hitchcock and like his whole hide the bomb thing, where like a character knows yeah. that the bomb, the audience knows that the bomb is there, so the suspense is greater than the act, you know, the shock of just an explosion. That mm-hmm. that happens when they're trying to serve Alan or Adam Driver the divorce papers. It, oh yeah, the, the way yeah. that plays out. <laughs> and, but it's instead of like so, like there's suspense there, but it's very funny because there's this right. thing that's just sitting in a room. And you're just watching everything play out, knowing that it's going to lead to this. And it's right. It's it's wild. It's wild that it's able to like make things like that work so well. But yeah, Marriage Story that's up on uh, iTunes now as well. Uh, so yeah, just the. I mean, not a sponsor, but there's just a lot of good stuff that's available. On right I can't I can't argue with the quality, so it's hard to not right. recommend these things, especially because it's so easy to watch them. Like, I don't know what I can tell people to see like Waves. Like it's playing a few theaters. It's great, but. You can watch Marriage Story like right now, so. right? Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to another Netflix review. <laughs> let's talk about Martin Scorsese's. <laughs> let's talk about Martin Scorsese's The Irishman. Frank, I want you to meet my cousin Russell Buffalino. Better watch. There's a lot of tough guys around here. Did he tell you? You're not afraid of tough guys, are you? Yeah. I didn't think so. I was one of a thousand working stiffs until I wasn't no more. You got a good friend here. You don't know how good a friend you got. Russell, he took a shine to me right away. After a while, he started giving me little things to do. I know you read a lot of things about me. I just want to say I'm sorry. I know I wasn't a good dad. I know that. I know that. I was just trying to, to protect all of you. From what? That should have been some of the trailer for The Irishman. After sitting around in development for over a decade, Martin Scorsese has delivered another mob epic. Based on the novel I Heard You Paint Houses by Charles Brandt, The Irishman chronicles the life of Frank Sheeran, a World War II veteran turned truck driver turned hitman turned personal friend of Jimmy Hoffa, played by Al Pacino. This life means rubbing elbows with various mobsters, played by Joe Pesci and Harvey Keitel, among others, as well as dealing with how it feel, how it affects his personal life with both his wife and daughters. Through all of this, we watch decades go by, seeing how Frank reacts to the way the world changes around him. Marcus, this film has been in development for quite a while, as I just mentioned. You've, yeah. assuming, I've assumed you've seen Martin Scorsese's other mob films. Where do you think <sighs> this one stands? How, how do you, how you, do you know, feel about the Irishman? Okay, so I... <sighs> I like okay. I like this better than them. I, I'm a big fan of Goodfellas. I really do enjoy Casino. I think this is better. I think this is better, and I, I am probably in the minority here, but to me, this seems like – I'm trying not to describe it. This seems like Martin Scorsese is doing his greatest hits, but the greatest hits album, for some reason, is better than the original albums. And I don't know how to really. I don't know. How, I don't know if it's because of the length. Because the length is works really well for this for this movie. But I don't know if it's because of the length or because of the the story itself. But 
I don't know if it's a nostalgia thing seeing uh, De Niro and Pacino or seeing De Niro and Pesci back in the mix because De Niro, Pesci, and Scorsese—that's like my ultimate trio right there. They, they, they. When they're on the screen, I can pretty much do any. See them do anything for three and a half hours. I don't know what it particularly is though that makes this just better. Maybe it's Ray Romano. I don't know. It's that Romano factor. <laughs> it's got to be Ray Romano. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I, I. It's Romano or Dom from The Wire. It's one of those. <laughs> you know, must be, gotta be. I, I really enjoyed this better than when I, 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 did, I thought back to when I first saw Casino, and I thought back to when I first saw Goodfellas, and I thought this was a better overall movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking of greatest hits albums that are better than the actual. I like Len- Lenny Kravitz's greatest hits album. I think that's just a really solid. Just throw that out there. It's like I can listen to okay. I can listen to Lenny Kravitz albums on their own, but his greatest hits album that's a pretty damn good album. Let me tell you. There we go. <laughs> that's the one I went for. I could have said like Beatles one or something, but that's ridiculous. They have, they all have, they have good albums. Like, <laughs> yeah. <those> albums are- <laughs> <laughs> Robert, where are you with uh, Scorsese on in the gangster mode and with this film? Um, you know, I absolutely, I'm, um, I'm, I'm in complete agreement. I, I have never been a really big fan of Goodfellas. I absolutely respect it. Absolutely see why it is a paramount film. Uh, but I've never been a fan of it. I've, I prefer Casino actually, but this is just, I don't know. There's something. <sighs> There's all the great things about Scorsese when it comes to gangster films, but there's this reflection that happens here that I don't know. I mean, there's reflection in the others too. Don't don't get me wrong, especially at the end, I could see now. But there's something, and and at the end of Goodfellas too. But there's something that the fact that the reflection here, using Goodfellas and Casino. That reflection out stretches out for an entire act, and there's there's uh, there's a patience in this film that I don't know the other gangster flicks from Scorsese. That's a good way to put it because I uh, I like this film quite a bit as well. I think it ranks very high up there as far as both his gangster films go as well as his you know his his oeuvre in general, which consists of many many films that are certainly not limited to just gangster movies. Um, but <clears throat> he's you know, I, I walked out of this, and I've seen it twice now. I watched it in theaters with my lovely girlfriend at the Egyptian in Hollywood, which was like, oh, great, we got to see it in the theater. And also I watched it on Netflix again, because why not? Um, so watching it this, uh, <laughs> what, what, having seen it now a couple times and really reflecting on it, it's weird to be like, this is Scorsese's like best film in years, because that's just not true. I think he's been absolutely crushing this decade. <laughs> like I, I, I think Hugo's fantastic. I think Silence yes. is fantastic. I think Wolf of Wall Street is fantastic. If, if Shuttered Island's his weakest movie, the movie's still better than many other movies by a mile. So it's like... I don't know what, and even his documentaries, a bit the Rolling Thunder review from this year also is also fantastic. Like so, it's you know, I I I love that Scorsese is a director that not like knows how to continue to challenge himself and then keeps like accomplishing said challenge. Like I'm sitting here waiting for like James Cameron to deliver Avatar two, and I'm like I know he's going to deliver, but he's taking like eleven years. <laughs> like he'll he'll, he'll 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 make a good movie. That's what he does. But I don't. It seems like I don't have to wait for Scorsese to keep making masterpieces. Like he's just really good at this, and 
and I am a fan of uh, I'm a huge fan of Goodfellas. I, I, I it's one of my favorite movies. I like Casino Plenty. I'm a huge Mean Streets fan. I really like sticking up for Mean Streets okay. as much as I can. Yeah. Um, so it's like, yeah, I know he knows how to do this kind of thing. But Robert, you're absolutely absolutely right as far as that next step he takes, as far as giving you both look how you know look how entertaining this is, despite the fact that this is horrible things that are happening with people. But then also let's reflect on that for a good long while. And yes, the other films have that period as well. But this one really wants to like show you what that means, what it means to kind of be in a state where you've gotten older and you're dealing with these very harsh mm. things you've had to do and how that's affected your life, yeah. what that's cost you, where you are now, compared to something like Casino, where the movie ends with Robert De Niro wearing big goofy glasses and being like, and that's that. <laughs> this movie is like, <laughs> that's literally how it ends. Like, I, I, like, I feel like... I feel like I feel like this movie exists because Robert De Niro watched himself in Casino and saw him wearing those big goofy glasses, and he's like, you know, I think I can make a movie about this. Like, I can just make a movie where he's just like super old the entire time. <laughs> um, but no, it it really tracks that way as far as here, like here's two hours of let's see this man's life, and here's an extra hour of look at how bad things can be when you really think about right. it. Yeah, it's still fun to watch them being old and breaking bread in prison and stuff, but it's like. Things take a real turn, and you can reflect on that. And, to, and we'll get into this, it serves as a reflection on Scorsese's part as far as his own career, which I also find fascinating. Yeah. And I also find that to be something he's continually done throughout this decade, which is why I spoke to of those other films. Something like Hugo, I love because it's not only like, look at this adventure film, but it's this reflection on cinema and what cinema means to him. Silence is not only this fascinating story about two priests that are stuck in Japan dealing with all kinds of bad things, it's reflection on Scorsese once again dealing with his own religion and how that plays into his life. So here you have another film, another gangster, I forgot The Departed, by the way, that's fine too, uh, another gangster movie, <laughs> and Gangs of New York, There's, it's all of these, uh, but oh, another yeah. gangster film where... He, yes, he's like, yeah, there's these excesses that you can take and look at the stuff that we've done and like these accomplishments we've made for however much that's worth and what did it all mean? What did it all add up to? And I'm, am I characterized as this way and does this mean that I'm this person? Like, there's a lot of really interesting questions I think this movie asks. But what do you guys think? Robert, where, where are you with like what he's trying to say with this movie? Um, I'm in the perspective of... Um... <laughs> the myopacy of like all of that um that character does and like how much he he locks himself off in the world and how much i mean not the world but like from his family and he um also almost like his life is unrecognizable to himself when he's actually when he actually confronts it you know mm -hmm. um i think there's something i think there's something about like how we choose to live our lives and how that's a reflection of our values, but our va but you know when we finally get to the end, actually sum summing up those values and figuring out what it was all worth. For sure, Marcus. Uh, any, any yeah, I mean, I I think I, yeah, I, I think you guys are, are 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 headed down the right path here. I I, if I would have said one thing that he's reflecting on, it's age, it's that this may not even matter what's going on because we're all going to get old and we're all going to, it's all going to be bad. It's uh, this movie itself seems like an end of an era movie. The final scene in this movie is, you know what it is. Like, I can't, I'm not going to spoil it, but it is what it is. It's just, it's this sad kind of thing that's going on here, but it's not really a reflection on um, 
violence. It's not really a reflection on kind of like what I did and what I, you know, it, it comes off as I'm going to tell you the story of, you know, my interactions with Jimmy Hoffa. And it ends with this hour of we're getting old and people are dying and it's inevitable and we're all going to be there. And what are we doing? And what have we, why did it even matter? And, and maybe this is Scorsese contemplating this whole thing. Like I've made all this stuff, all these points, and now I'm going to finish it off with a movie that says maybe none of all the, the content of this, of, of what I'm talking about really mattered. Maybe this is the big finale. The death is the big point of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Well said. Um, as we get into this more, we should talk about some of these performances because there's a cavalcade of fantastic actors here. Um, let's oh. let's talk let's talk about these three big ones first, and let's uh, we can talk about De Niro in a bit because there's plenty of him throughout this movie. Let's talk about Al Pacino and Joe Pesci a bit. Al Pacino, yeah. I think, is pretty fantastic here, and it's not to say, oh, I can't believe he was able to do this, but I mean, I don't think it's arguable that Al Pacino has started a lot of movies in the kind of past couple decades and they haven't all been stellar movies i don't think he's particularly bad in many of these movies but he's certainly been a guy that's been like i'm taking roles why not this one mm-hmm. he's really like not <laughs> just the look how loud i can be performance is the yes i'm loud because i'm jimmy hoffa but also there's so much you know pathos in this character and he really pulls yes. out a few tricks that i just haven't seen him do in a while i i think he's I, it's a big competition right now between who's the best supporting actor in this movie and i think they both make a good case but let's talk about pacino what do you guys think of him I, I mean, he's, I mean, he's, he, he, okay. So my, my whole focus was on De Niro and Pesci, but he stands alone in this thing as, as uh, he's doing his thing. He's, he's really performing well. I, I recently saw, um, what was it? The Joe Paterno movie he did for, uh, for HBO. Yeah. Yeah, I for can't. HBO. Which one's the what's that? Yeah, I think it's just called the, Paterno, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah, I think it's just called Paterno. Yeah. And in that one, yeah. he plays this kind of, you know, this aged guy who's under this investigation and, and whatnot. Um, and it's kind of like he's he's trying to be this powerful guy, but he's really meek. I don't know that he totally got what he was trying to do there. I think he was overshadowed by a lot of different things going on with that movie. But this one he could have been overshadowed. There's a lot of things that are going to overshadow him. He's probably one of the shortest characters in a lot of the scenes, but he stands tall. <laughs> like, literally, there's so much things, like physical limitations, all this stuff. He's standing so tall. I believed his power in every scene. Um, and he's supposed to be the, Jimmy Hoffa. And, and if you know Jimmy Hoffa, he, he's like the leader of men, the leader of the Teamsters, the leader of this giant big organization that was bigger, like rivaled, you know, government and rivaled the mob and all that stuff. When when stuff starts going south for him and he doesn't really back down, I believed it. I believed it. And I think that's 100% Al Pacino's performance. I believed he was not going to back down. And I believed he was that that stubborn. And I, I believed it. He sold me on this character. Robert? Yeah, I mean, it's there's, there's a point where you're watching the Irishman and you're like, crap, that's Al Pacino. <laughs> you know, it's like all the, the, it's you know, we were just talking about seeing Leslie Snipes on the screen doing great stuff. And it's the same thing with Al Pacino. It's like seeing him in a role where it's all the big, you know, contains. The, the slight bits of nuance. Like, I love that scene where he's um, 
he's in he's off at his you know the the, the teamsters his, his main you know right hand from the teamsters and then there's De Niro in the back of the room and then he goes you know, when De Niro storms out he goes out to console him like there's the the amazing swing he takes and then the ability to go small again so quickly is what makes that what makes the role for me for sure moving to pesci <laughs> i mean it's for one thing it's just great to see pesci back again like yes but here we are and like he he he's still pesci he's so like he's not nicky santori like he's not he's not um Tommy DeVito. He's even... not. He's not playing these Pesci roles where he's big and a hothead and all this stuff. He's 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 turning everything inward. It's it's but it's more like Raging Bull if anything. But it's mm-hmm. it, it's something where I was concerned if it was going to be not that like I'd be mad about typical Pesci or whatnot, but if there'd be kind of a out of practiceness to it because he's you know been out of the film so long and not doing this kind of thing and just being, you know, not being with these guys specifically. And here he comes and he brings authority to every single scene he has, or like mm-hmm. the second he's on screen and just like watching his face, he doesn't have to say anything for you to kind of get the character. You, you, you feel a presence there. You feel this, like, this is why this guy's a movie star. Even if it was a, you know, never like a necessarily leading man career in spite of a couple movies here or there, but like, he's a guy that just, he comes in he does the job and you're utterly compelled by everything he does. That speaks mm-hmm. a lot to, I think what he's able to bring to a movie. And he does that here by doing a lot with very little. There's a lot of, there, there's a lot of uh, thought on his face and there's a lot of reaction to things that he sees and, mm-hmm. as, as opposed to, you know, yelling at people and, you know, shooting people in the face, what have you. It's, it's more, <laughs> I'm I, I'm going to read this moment and I'm going to say my opinion and you're going to respect that and I think that and it's great it's great to to watch that play out over and over again throughout the course of this movie. Uh, uh, Robert, any, any thoughts on on Pesci in this film? Yeah, I mean, if you you know we were just talking about Pacino, you know, the worry of him being overshadowed. There is a very legitimate worry of Pacino being overshadowed because, as you just said, I mean, there's there's really not much meet in this role if you know it feels very the character itself feels very matter of fact very straight to the point um and yet the the physical acting that pesci puts into this performance the little pesci mannerisms the toss of the head and everything and the, the 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 beats that he gives and his responses um and just the way that he's reacting to the other actors is just he adds so much nuance that doesn't feel like it was on the page when he first read that script. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. I, I, to me, Pesci seems like – seeing Pesci here reminded me of like it's like seeing an old friend that doesn't come to town nearly enough, you know? It, it was just really he, – he already had half the battle coming in. But you're right. It wasn't – this is not my cousin Vinny. Like he, he's not loud like that. He's he's very soft spoken. And Ray, very Ray Romano the is the Vinny in this scenario. Very Romano's the Vinny. In this <laughs> so I mean, there's a lot of nuance to this character, and he does a lot of looks, and he's just a matter of fact about stuff because he can't really say a lot of things. And he's fantastic. He was one of my favorite parts in the movie, and I think he gets. I want to say he gets way less screen time than both Pacino and. De Niro, um, but he's he was one of my favorite parts of the movie. In talking hmm. about this, and there's other performances we can talk about as well, but we're talking about these specific guys, and they certainly factor into the film 
all the way through, which means we're watching multiple decades involving them. So much has been made about the, you know, yes. the $100 million budget for the, the sorry, greater, the like $140 million budget of this film, and how that deals with the extensive visual effects work they did in order to, you know, make you see these actors at various stages in their life um, using the kind of de-aging technology that we've seen in the other, you know, like the Marvel films or what have you. How effective did you guys find that to be? I didn't mind it at all. I, I thought it, you know, it, it looked a little uh, awkward at first, but I think that was to be expected. And in a three-hour movie, it comes to play maybe, what, in the first 10 minutes or 15 minutes? Three minutes into it, I forgot all about it. And then maybe that's the biggest uh, compliment I can say. Um, that I really, I, it was kind of seamless because they go back and forth between a current time, a past, and kind of, and then they play out a future. Um, I didn't think about it at all after about three or four minutes. I I thought it was the weakest portion of the film. I could, I, I, it doesn't happen very long. You're, you're right. It, it might be the most, the first 20 minutes is the longest it happens. But I don't know. Like, I, I thought the, a lot. There's great aging work on Pesci. I did not think it worked with De Niro. Um, it Pesci's looked is, a little bit. Pesci's is clearly the best. I think. I think that comes. Yeah. From both. The, I think it's a benefit that it's the one benefit of him not being in films for such a long time. Where, you know, okay. you, you you know what De Niro, I think that, I think this is what it is as far as I'm concerned. I think it's because you know what Pesci. You know what De Niro looks like because you see him all the time. You see him on SNL. You see him wherever he pops up. He's in movies. And you have a certain thing in your mind where it's like, I know what he looks like at this age. I know what he looks like at that age. Where Pesci, it's been a minute. You're not focused on him. You're not studying him all the time. His face is, you know, having him come in and like de-aging his face is like, yeah, all right. Like that's that sound that looks good. I would also say just the effects where it just mm-hmm. seems better on him. But yeah, De Niro, I agree. It does feel like it. For me, it bothered it, you it, that it, much? It, it did. But for me personally, I'll let Robert. I'll let you finish. I'm sorry, but I, I just De Niro didn't. Bo- it bothered me for not bother. It it was noticeable to me for a bit, and then I'm like, well, this is what we're doing, and I kind of went with. Okay. It from there. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically it for me too. I, I there was I was there's like this one scene where like it's like he's at a bar and they all kick back their shot, and you just look at the lighting over the face, and it, for me it was distracting. I mean, it, it didn't it didn't kill the moment, the character, but like it was it was a distracting um, portion of it. And I also think I don't know, there's something. The physicality, like the stockiness of De Niro's body, you know, if someone's, I was talking to someone, and I think I kind of agree that, like, it's a, it looks like a young man's face on an old guy's body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, it did take me out of it a little bit, but I mean, it's, I mean, it's a over three and three hour movie, three and a half hours, you know, and that takes up such, it's only most of the first act. You, by the, by the last act, you've totally forgotten that that was even a thing. So, yeah, I mean, for one thing, there's a lot more makeup in this movie than people seem to want to acknowledge because uh, you know a lot of the other characters like Bobby Cannavale or, or Dom, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they 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 go through the makeup effects work as well to kind of age them up over the years and like you and even when the De Niro and like when they get older, you see them actually using you know hair hair dye and makeup or whatnot to make them appear older than they are. It's not CG at that, or if it is CG, then like now I'm I'm not I'm not seeing it to that point. But it, what I like. I mean, beyond, like, the overall effect, which is, like, yes, I'm not going to say it's the best version of this that I've seen, but it certainly doesn't feel intrusive in the way that it could for a three-and-a-half-hour movie if it was done badly. What I will say is, though, is I like that Scorsese is 
doing it. Like I, I hear, you know, I hear the argument of you could just use younger actors, but at the same time, for one, when they're younger, it's because they're in their forties. It's not like they're you know teenagers or in their twenties. Where like yes, there's a significant difference in how you would look in age. They're in their forties, so they're basically going to look like how they're going to look at that point. Like it'd be weird to be like, here's a forty year old <laughs> man playing sixty year old De Niro. Like that's weird. Um, but 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 what I in addition to that, I just like that Scorsese's doing this. The fact that like he's you know he's an old director that doesn't have to make these kinds of you know, ambitious choices to create his movies and like, he doesn't have to make a 3d movie. He doesn't, he doesn't need to do that yet. He wants to challenge himself. And that's what I saw this as. It's like, how do I get around this obstacle? It's one thing to just make a movie in my comfort zone, but I do think there's something to be said for him being like, yeah, why not? I'm going to get industrial light and magic to de-age my actors. Cause that's a, that's an interesting challenge I haven't done before. I think it speaks to kind of the work ethic he wants to bring to something like this, where it's not just capturing the story, but really delving into the technical aspect of this. Like, what can I do to make this more visually interesting to me? I know, rather than using makeup effects or whatnot, I'll use digital makeup, which is what this really amounts to. I mean, it's the same kind of thing. You're getting the actor doing that performance instead of using, you know, putty and hair dyes or whatnot. You're using visual effects. Like, you're still getting the same actor doing that performance. And it's like, yeah, okay, it, for me, it works really well because, for one thing, you get amazing performances out of De Niro, Pacino, and Pesci in this movie. But also, yes. it it's something that you can look at and be like, okay... What what can I you know take away from this experience? Well, it's like okay, not only did I get these performances in the story, but I got a, I got visual language that seems fresh to me because of a director making a choice, and I think that's mm-hmm. I think that's commendable. Mm-hmm. I agree. How about the other actors? We got we got you know, there's we have we Ray have Romano. Romano. We have Ray Romano. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was really good at this. He he he. He, I didn't think from the from the commercials, I did not think he was going to be this much uh, a part of the movie, but he was a substantial part of the movie for, for uh, I mean, he's at least 30 minutes, 30, 45 minutes of the movie. Have you seen him recently? Because I, I have, but have you seen Romano recently in like other things? Like he's in, he was in that vinyl show with um, Cannavale. He's on Get Shorty currently that's on. I mean, oh, I have not seen Shorty. Because it's. He had a film at, um. At Tiff, called Bad Education, I was really good. Uh huh. Okay. He's in a movie with du- with Mark Duplass that came. Out, I think it was at Sundance, probably. If I get oh it, yeah, the, the yeah. He has cancer. Uh, yeah. Mark has du- cancer. Duplass has yeah. cancer in that movie. What's the movie called? It's like a game they play too, right? Was it? Um, uh, it's like a, a handball or something. Yeah, some kind of. That's the name of the movie. That's gonna bug me. I gotta find it now. Paddleton. Paddleton. Yeah. Um, but I, what I'm saying that because I, I have, I watched the first two seasons of Get Shorty. He's very good as like a dramatic presence. Like he's funny, but he also has this kind of, he's good. He's a good actor. I guess what I'm trying to say is <laughs> weird, but yeah. I mean, I think he, I think he brings a certain quality to, to movies that I think is, it's interesting. Cause like, yeah, he's a comedian, he's a stand-up guy, but like, he also like, he seems to like fit in this world of like mobsters. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's, that's yeah. <laughs> We got some others. Uh, Bobby Cannavale, Stephen Graham, who I think is pretty great in this movie. Harvey Keitel right. shows up for a little bit, and Harvey Keitel is always welcome when it comes to these kind of movies. Yes. Uh, Jesse Plemons, of course. Um, and, uh, oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> uh, Green, Green Book, Sebastian Maniscalco. I love, yeah, exactly. Any, known, anything he's in. Best yeah. known for co-starring in a Best Picture winner, Green Book, from 2018. <laughs> 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 he's, yeah, that's on his resume. 
Yeah. <laughs> I started in the best picture winner of 2018. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Why would he say that? <laughs> <laughs> um, but any, any other these uh, supporting ones stand on? Did I mention Anna Paquin? Because I know she's been getting a lot of notoriety for not having many lines, which is, yeah. I think we've talked about this before in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, actually, which Robert, you were on that episode. The number of lines an actor has, I feel like, is a weird way to judge a performance in a movie, but here we are again. Um, <laughs> any, any any thoughts? <laughs> I mean, if... So when she comes on, she's she's the, the daughter <clears throat> that uh, plays the role of kind of... Uh... She's kind of the, the the audience that that she she plays kind of our, our she 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 plays kind of the the audience I guess she's seen what this guy's doing she's really not agreeing she knows what he's doing or her father and she's not about it she's about to break off from him so when they do the transition from her as a little girl to Anna Paquin I got it she has one scene where she's looking at him and he's looking at a, a newsreel or something about somebody who just died and she's looking at him and I go, that's the daughter, that's her, that, like within seconds, so I thought she did a really good job Yeah, I'm, same thing and I'm judging a role by how many lines it is so, so stupid but, <laughs> um, but I also think the, the, the commentary that Scorsese's trying to make with that role is, is there's a there's a almost like once upon a time in Hollywood with Margot where like there there is a a a overall theme that's going on with that with that role with that character, um, especially when it comes to Sheeran being this near stone cold killer, understanding how that would affect his children. You know that he doesn't see the the people in his life. He only sees this lifestyle and this lifestyle the people in this lifestyle are his family more than his actual family yeah i certainly agree and yeah in the way it, i i don't dislike that scorsese's talking about his movie because why wouldn't he it's his movie and whatnot but it's like calling the question something like you know how many it's like there's a clear cinematic intent on the character like because i was hearing this before i even saw the movie as far as like she only has one line it's like watching the movie i'm thinking you you saw the other like two hours of this movie, yeah. She doesn't talk like that's that's her that's her deal. <laughs> like that's it's like it's, <laughs> it's not like he hired her on. It was like oh let me hold on this script is a little shaggy. Let me cut this line and this line. Oh it's like you only got one. Like that's not what happens in movies. Like it's there's a clear understanding of like <laughs> who this character is supposed to be and why it is this way. I <laughs> but regardless, yeah. I I you know in terms of continuing on what that character is supposed to represent i agree with you marcus like she, she serves as a certain kind of representation of the audience and a moral compass or what have you and it's it's all right mm-hmm. there um and it goes along with all the other kind of supporting performances that require that you know bring in certain qualities that reflect on who frank is or what the world's like speaking of which before i forget about it completely because i said we'll talk about him robert de niro in this movie outside of like whatever we think about the aging effects i think he's very good in this movie also like he's, uh, he's fantastic I mean, it, it's great to see him, you know, on, and even, like, it's similar to, like, Pesci, it's not like he's, it's not a big showy performance, like, Pacino has the showy performance in this movie, it's a lot of reacting, it's a lot of kind of carefully studying the moment, and it's a lot of, like, 
oh, I don't know what you mean. So, kind of putter, puttering around kind of dialogue. It's like, oh, what, the, the truck's empty? What do I know? What do, like, it's a lot of that. It's it's fun. It's engaging. So, it's dramatic. It, in the, I guess in the last, like, ten years or so, he's he's I'm sure he's done movies, and it's, he's done some jokey movies and forgettable movies and whatnot. And, and I've recently seen him on, like, uh, he was on some kind of roast recently, or and then he was on um, Saturday Night Live and all. And I know these are different things, but when I see him on that, I'm like, you can, you can almost forget how good he is in a role like this, directed by Martin Scorsese. And when you see him in this, he is so good. And I'm t- I'm not trying to compare him to the Saturday Night Live roles or like him like being like the oldest guy on a roast, but still like. Uh, Maybe there's somebody who has never seen Robert De Niro in a legit role outside of like the last they were born in like Meet the Parents, and which is it's fine, you know, it's a good role for him. But this is his; these are the roles he was meant to do. And you see him, and he's in his wheelhouse, and he's in the pocket, and he's freaking throwing punches, and he's he's doing heavy lifting here, and it's spectacular to see. In complete agreement with that, yeah. I mean, once again, to see you know, to see him back getting this kind of role is just amazing. And just like Pesci, I mean, there's so much that's happening underneath the surface with Sheeran. Um, like the the morality of every of 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 the life is shown almost in in every. Um, facial expression, every hesitancy, the beats that he gives. Um, he, he adds a lot to this character in the, the, the smallest of moments, in the quietest of moments. And once again, there, there's, there's pro- that last act is so incredible. And it's so amazing to, to see him not <laughs> in those really just raunchy comedies, but him actually emoting something that's you know if, if you like like you like you said marcus if you've never seen de niro be de niro like to get at least one more role where you see de niro be de niro it feels just like an amazing present yeah it's it's not yeah he's he's back of his boy i mean that that helps but it's not like de niro you know out, he's not like he hasn't been effective outside of scorsese films no but, you're right but having him here and having these actors around him it's it's not like I wouldn't expect there to be like a certain level of presence to come from, you know, some of the most well-respected actors of their of their time, certainly during their you know their peak periods. But it is just really refreshing to see like a really great hero performance. Like it's one it, 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 where you could be like, you know, you don't have to you don't have to like think back to when the last time you got a great. And I can name a number from the past several years that I think are. I think I, I thought it was quite good in Silver Linings Playbook. Honestly, like I, I he I, was very I, good. I, I, I thought that that nomination was actually going to lead him to get another Oscar. It didn't because we needed to get Christoph Waltz another one, and you know. But at the same time, I still I still really liked. Him. And I think like Tarantino's made note that the intern was like one of the best performances he's ever seen from De Niro. It's like. He is very good in that movie. Like, I can't argue with this. But here, <laughs> watching him just like in a you know a three and a half hour movie where he gets to play all kinds of layers, he gets to play up the drama, the comedy, everything about it. Like, it just really sings. And like seeing him with Pacino, where 
it used to be like, oh, these guys had never been together before. Then they were together in Heat. I mean, besides like being in a, the same movie. Then they're in Heat, but only in one scene. Then they're in Righteous Kill, and we all wanted to shoot ourselves. Now he's in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> now he's in this movie where they're just like best friends for a long yeah. time. And it's just like watching them just play these scenes out and how understated they can be and how like natural it all seems especially because they've known each other for like 40 50 years it's like yeah this is just really good stuff throughout <laughs> like just watching these two play and which i guess leads me to like the movie's length and like how it's constructed and what we thought of that i i, I i'm not one that says like it, you know it's three and a half hours but it felt like 90 it's like it feels like how it feels like regardless of how it felt to me as far as the time spent I just, I never felt myself, like, questioning if I needed all this time. I know some have. Mm -hmm. I understand that. I know some friends of the show have questioned the, the length of this film if it really needed that much. I'm not one that's going to be like, you could have taken this out or that out. I'm just happy I spent this time with this movie, and I thought it is really yeah. well constructed. Uh, Robert, I think you alluded to that earlier as far as the best edited films of the year. What do you think of the movie's kind of pacing and how it's been put together? Yeah, I think it's a wonderfully paced film, and I'm not of the opinion that anything needs to be cut out. You really are going through the latter portions of these people's lives, and it feels like that. It feels like in a way you know you don't get you don't get to press fast forward too often no and this we do get to press rewind a lot um but i just and it, i just i just love that the each section was okay here this is how this friendship two different friendships basically two different arcs of friendships there's the first one between Pesci's character and De Niro's character and then there's the second one obviously between De Niro's character and and Pacino's and I do think you you need that time with these people, and you to get to that final uh, act where you see them just you know dipping bread and and, and prune juice basically you know you I, I don't know if the emotional weight hits as hard in a shorter film, um, and. Uh, I think the the entire, especially, I mean, I keep saying the last act, but like that is, is such a great job of adapting. I don't know if you guys have ever read I Heard You Paint Houses, but those last 45 minutes, that's based off two paragraphs of oh, the wow. book. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just so well stretched and so well, ad ad um, ad you know, like the, it's Scorsese finding the spaces, the meditative spaces between the words and uh, yeah, I just I I find no fault in any editing or the length. Marcus, any uh, additional thoughts there? Yeah, I I agree. I I think each of these performances needed room to stretch their legs. I I I felt that if you're gonna put these powerhouses in there, we deserve to see this much time we deserve to have a lot of time with these characters i didn't feel like it dragged at all um i mean obviously a three and a half hour movie is going to be what it is either you can kind of sit through it or you got to take breaks and it's on netflix you can pause it but i didn't feel like there was a part where i was like oh waiting for the next kill or waiting for this to happen i was really enjoying the scenes with al pacino and robert Niro going back and forth or the scenes where pesci was doing what he was doing I, I there was no part where i was like okay get to the point get to the point get to the point even that last part where you could have said this really doesn't have much to do with the synopsis of the story that last little 45 which is i think i think that was a, a brilliant 
a brilliant portion where it seemed like uh, Scorsese was tacking that on for his own uh, like personal. I don't really care what you guys say, but I, I need to I need to say what I need to say in this last 45 minutes. Even that part, I really, really enjoyed. I really thought it was worth it. I really thought that it couldn't have been cut down any shorter. It really speaks to what kind of opportunity these streaming networks seem to like afford to, to you know auteur filmmakers. I mean, we've, I like, yeah. we've seen you know we've seen Quran now and the Coen Brothers, and even Michael Bay coming up. Is I mean, honestly, as far as like directors that have very distinct styles and like they want to you know delve into what they're good at or what they you know want to do, you're letting you know compared to something like a major studio that has you know notes and things they want to put towards you you have someone like netflix or amazon that's seemingly giving these guys free reign to kind of make the movies they want and that's certainly while there have been bad netflix movies obviously i do think these ones with these kind of big powerhouse directors ones that don't typically need notes to begin with or what have you or don't have to like if they don't have to debate the budget they need they've been delivering like and this feels like <laughs> no exception this feels like a movie that's like yeah okay it needed this budget apparently and it's it's delivered this very lengthy mob epic with all these actors and all this you know visual effects language or what have you but i i can't argue with the you know the delivery of said product like wherever however i however audiences are ending up able to see it that's a different story but as far as giving scorsese you know the means to do the movie to make the movie he wants to make i i can't argue with what's got what's you know what's been given out here especially because it's not just you know a throwaway mob movie where you know, you're getting, you know, this kind of story being delivered and it's like, yeah, that's fine. It's another one of these and we're all accepting it as, you know, good fun for a while with like some deep messages. This one has some significant messages. It has things it wants to say. It has actors and direct and filmmakers reflecting on what they've been able to do up to now. And I can't say that there were, I can't say we're not better off for it. Like I, I, mm. I, 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 I look forward to seeing filmmakers taking the lessons from a movie like this and applying it to their films just because movies can be better because of something like this. Like it's, 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 that's how good this movie is. Um, yeah. It's it, mm -hmm. similarly to, I mean, I, you know, I really enjoyed once upon a time in Hollywood and I feel like there's a lot of connected tissue between the two as far as, you know, a lengthy epic of a film that featuring features a lot of characters just kind of, hanging around for a long time and talking about things but also like you're getting a sense of what their life is versus what it was versus what it's going to be i mm. something about age is really rubbing off on filmmakers this year apparently <laughs> maybe we just, we just maybe the last few years have just made us all feel a little older uh i don't, I don't know what to say <laughs> but um um anything else on the hour we've talked quite a bit about a lot of uh, topics that i wanted to cover here any other uh thoughts on the film i mean it looks great as far as like production yeah. design and costumes i don't think we can really argue that right <laughs> it looks like the time <laughs> oh it's i was sorry i actually yeah. let's go back uh i will sure. say um the the i don't know we've talked about it enough but the irishman is super funny it reminds you that, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that scorsese might be like one of the best comedy writers like around <laughs> um, there's so many just like especially the Jesse Plemons scene with Jesse Plemons like this it's so amazing that Jesse Plemons already in his career there's like a typical Jesse Plemons role and uh -huh. this is it that this <laughs> conversation is so it like if you like you know it's, it's to a T his role in Vice and 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 uh, and Game Night you know it's just this really <laughs> awkward conversation and Scorsese finds so many moments like that so many moments that devolve. What about the uh, the pop up video kind of 
little 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 uh, informational bullets that they give us when they're like, this guy's making it. He's making some point, and they go, he dies in 1985 <laughs> wow. in an hour. <laughs> shot in the head. I'm like, that's good. Like, I like I like, I like when you see the pop up, and then you actually see the action happen. Like, you, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, I learned about that a while ago. <laughs> and it's like, oh, right, that's what, yeah, they, they told they told me that. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, you got shot in the face on the bridge. Like, whatever. <laughs> you're, you're right. You're absolutely right, though, Rob. This movie is very fun. There's a whole. Like even though they're supposed to be fraught with tension, every scene between Jimmy Hoffa and Stephen Graham as uh, as Tony Pro, where they both just hate each other, all of those scenes are funny. <laughs> like the, the whole scene where they have to like where they're supposed to meet in Florida and he's 15 minutes late and Al Pacino never waits more than 10 minutes and Robert De Niro's like, what do we wait like 12 and a half? There's just so many like. That's there's so much humor. There's so much comedy. You're not wrong, and it's not like it's it's not like it's new to these movies either. He's always like put a lot of dark humor in these, especially these mob movies, because you got to break the tension with something. You can't just have like people acting like assholes for a whole bunch of time. Like you need something, to really, you know, help you like watching this movie. And you're right, like the the comedy does shine through early on. Early on, when they're getting in the car and they're like, and De Niro's laying out all the specifics about the like the cigarettes and Joe Pesci can't drive with cigarette smoke. And then immediately his wife asks, "Hey, can we stop for a cigarette?" Yeah. <laughs> and they like get a whole debate about it, and it's like all of that stuff uh, is just yeah, is is just great. It's just great. It's really fun. All right. Um, well, the movie is available in very limited re- theatrical release. So like, I tend I tend I tend to ask you know when should people go and see this movie? Saying theater is like if I assume I mean we all like it, so I'd assume we'd all say yeah, go see it in a the theater if you can. Yeah. But it's on Netflix. So I, I mean, I'm gonna ask you when should people watch this on Netflix? So Marcus, when should people watch this on Netflix? Uh, uh, immediately. I mean, I think it's right up. It, this and Marriage Story, uh, it's we can make a weekend out of it. Robert? Immediately. Yeah, I'm in the same same boat. Yeah, see it as soon as you can. Um, it's also super convenient <laughs> Netflix. Um, <laughs> Even though I saw the report yesterday that, that um over 12 million people had watched The Irishman, but only like 18% or something had finished it. Hmm. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I do want to give, you know, the, if people are kind of pausing and stuff like that, that percentage could go up, obviously. But, but yeah, no, I, I still think that it's super convenient to, to watch it at home and to be able to, to pause and, and come back and, and stuff like that. Um, and it's not, it's, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't say don't see it in the theater because it's great in the theater, but it's not, it's not bad on Netflix. See it as soon as you can. Yeah. No, I, I'm not in disagreement here. I'll, uh, once again, dad's movie corner. He really liked it too. He watched it at home on, on his, <laughs> on his TV. He, he paused a couple times here or there, but no, he, he made it, you know, he made a day out of it <laughs> or an afternoon as far as watching the movie. Um, but yeah, no, if you, I mean, I, I can't tell people how to watch movies or whatnot. Everyone has a different kind of stance on like how they tend to digest their entertainment, certainly at home or what have you. But I mean, it's certain, I certainly don't, wouldn't say like you know watch it over the course of several days. I'd say you know like a mini series. I'd say watch it as a feature, and if you need to you know take a break for a minute, take a break for a minute. That's just how it is. All right, let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to uh, let's get to Marcus's favorite segment here. Let's get to some games. <laughs> This is where I fall asleep and, and then you wake me up. <laughs> no, you have to be you have to be very involved in this week's game because this week's game we have I'm a fan of this one. Irishman or Italian. 
I'm going to describe several movie characters, and you have to tell me, and they're going to be either Italian characters or Irish characters, and you need to to identify what the movie character I'm describing is by name, Uh, not the actor, but the character itself, or the movie. If if it's going on too long, I'll allow the movie. Um, But I I feel like these should be fairly straightforward. Oh, we'll see. I, I lost already. That's, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Well, that, those I, are the I, famous I, last words. I'm not playing favorites. <laughs> this is the easiest game I've come up with. And... It should be. <laughs> if you feel you know the answer, buzz in with your name, and then the answer. Okay, here's All the first right. one. Orphaned Sicilian immigrant who builds an empire, makes offers people can't refuse. Marcus. Marcus? The the godfather. The go- uh... Yeah, yeah. What, what's his name? <laughs> That's correct. Yes, you got it. There you go. You're on, you're on, you're on the board. There you go. All right. Okay. Here's the next one. Here's the next one. Boston mob boss with moles inside the police. He hates rats. Uh, Marcus. Marcus. You said Austin mob boss? Boston mob boss. Oh, The Departed. I don't know what his name is. The Departed, right? Austin. Uh, I heard Austin. I was like, Austin? What? (laughs) Boston mob boss. Okay. Um, Robert, do you you know the character name? No. Okay. Then Marcus has it. It's Frank Costello. Oh, Oh, that's right. (sighs) Jack Nicholson as Frank Costello. Here's the next one. Marcus, see two for two. I have two. Am I up two? Here's the next one. Working class guy who spends weekends dancing in Brooklyn. Big Bee Gees fan. Robert. Robert? Saturday Night Fever. That's the movie. You got a name for me? No. It's a pretty typical Italian name. Um... (laughs) Jeez, I know. I... <sighs> I'll give it to Robert. It's Tony. Tony Monero. Oh. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but... Tony. You know, pretty, pretty standard Italian. <laughs> Here's the next one. A man born with cerebral palsy who could only control one part of his body, grew up poor, became a writer and an artist. Could only control one part of his body. Um, Robert. Robert? Uh, my Left Foot? My Left Foot's the correct movie. Yes, that's good. Uh, it's uh, Christy Brown. Is the yes. <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis is uh, his first Oscar. <laughs> Here's the next one. An evil fantasy character who believes a family has stolen his pot of gold eventually goes to space and the hood. Oh, Marcus. Marcus. I don't know his name, but Leprechaun. But I, not, I don't yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't have a name. It's just a Leprechaun. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Here's the next one. A bum from Philadelphia who went the distance, sports a hat, uh, loves Marcus. animals. Marcus. Marcus. Rocky. Marcus. Rocky. What? Rocky. Rocky. Yeah, that's right. The Italian stallion. The Italian stallion. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Here's here's the next one. World War One ex fighter pilot working as a bounty hunter, not quite human anymore. <laughs> World wow. War One 
ex-fighter pilot working as a bounty hunter not quite human anymore. It's an animated film. <laughs> Maybe even worse. <laughs> <laughs> it is not American. Oh. The characters, the voice of this character in the English dub is Michael Keaton. I don't know. Yeah. Abe would be all over this. It's Porco Rosso from Hiro Miyazaki's Porco Rosso. Oh. He's a. He's I was texting man. Abe right now, but he's not <laughs> <laughs> Here's the next one. A young woman who emigrates to the big city and marries an Italian plumber. Um, uh, Marcus. Marcus? Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Just but I don't know that. I don't know her name. Um, I don't know her name. Robert for the Steel? You got a name? Uh, um, no, I don't. It's Ailish. Ailish Lacey. Oh, Ugh. Ailish. Yes, I actually did know that. I'm not just saying it. Okay. <laughs> Here's the next one. A psychopathic assassin who doesn't like to miss sports a large branding on his forehead representing his name. <laughs> this, this is a superhero movie. Uh, it's not um, the MCU. Robert? Uh, Robert? Uh, <laughs> Um, uh, Hellboy. I don't know. Is it? Is it's it? Not Hellboy. Is it uh, Daredevil? It's bullseye? Daredevil. Is it bullseye. Bullseye. It's Bullseye from Daredevil. Yeah, it's Colin Farrell. Uh, it's bullseye. <laughs> oh boy. Here's the next one. Recently passed the bar exam after several tries. More a fan of the big city than the countryside. Fiance is a car lover. <laughs> Recently passed the bar <laughs> after several tries. More of a fan of the big city than the country. Fiance is a car lover. <laughs> it features one of the actors in the movie we just talked about. Uh, uh, Robert. Robert? Devil's Advocate? It, that's so close. <laughs> it's, it's, the reverse, it's the reverse of what we're thinking <laughs> I have no idea. Okay, it. Some people at home are like, I know what this is, and I'm screaming it in my iPhone right now. It's my cousin Vinny. Vinny. Oh, oh it is. No, it is. Oh. <laughs> A movie we've all seen on TV multiple times. <laughs> Here's the next one. <laughs> A New York plumber with a brother who has the same last name as his first name and a preference for the color red. <laughs> this is an adaptation of a very popular game. Oh, uh, Marcus. Yeah? Is it Mario Brothers? It's Mario from Mario <laughs> from Brothers. From Mario Brothers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's Italian. His name's Mario Mario. <laughs> Mario Mario. Yeah, yeah. Alright, here's the last one. A prisoner, a prisoner and smuggler who is the only man guilty of his crime. He befriends another inmate who eventually rewards him well. Repeat that. Repeat a that prisoner one. and smuggler who claims to be the only man guilty of his crime, and he befriends another inmate who eventually rewards him well. Robert. Robert? Red from Shawshank. That is correct. Wow. Yes. Who says he's Irish? 
Wow. All right. Well, despite your tries, Robert, and you made a valiant effort, you got on the board a couple times here, several times, in fact. Marcus, you are a winner this week on games. This is unprecedented. I've never <laughs> won a game ever. The, now, okay, so so like if I win but Abe's not here, does it still count? I mean, we'll have to go to the books on that one. But I mean, for the time <laughs> being. <laughs> wow. You both I'm, did a good I, job. I'm, that... I'm calling in sick tomorrow. I, ha- I had some bonus questions because I was curious if you guys could get them. What, what is Al Pacino's highest grossing domestic film? Um... Just offhand. Just make a guess. That would be Godfather, right? No? no. Godfather um... is the num- Godfather's number two. Ooh. Ooh. Godfather number two? Yeah. Part two. Yeah. Oh. I mean, just oh, yeah. for inflation, it'd probably be <laughs> a lot more, but yeah. Robert, what were you saying? Yeah. No, no, that's that's what I was, yeah. No, it's Hollywood. Hollywood. One's about the time in Hollywood. It's not was number oh. one movie. Uh, oh. oh, okay. But yeah, I mean, Godfather, like, that saved Hollywood in 1972. So, I mean, it, it made a lot of money. <laughs> but, um, yeah, those two, then Ocean's 13, then Dick Tracy. Those yeah. are all over 100. Then take you go down to 75 million, and you got Any Given Sunday. Those are his top five movies. Um, yeah. How about Joe Pesci? This should be obvious if you think about what movies Joe Pesci's been in. Domestic. My cousin Vinny. Yeah, that's right. There's no there. Think about Joe Pesci. Think about all the movies. Oh, it's like Home Alone or something. It's Home. It's Home Alone. Yeah. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Which is like the biggest movie, like one of the biggest movies of all time when it came out. Like that's how much money Home Alone made. But yeah, it's Home Alone, then Home Alone Two, then Lethal Weapon Three. Those are are high, and then like. All right. Okay. How about De Niro? Uh, Dirty Grandpa. I don't know. Um, what was, um, let's see. I'll give you a hint. Meet the it Fox. Made a, it, Meet the Fox is his second. That was his biggest oh. movie ever. That movie made Meet the Parents is third. It's right after it. I'll give you a guess on the other, the fourth and the fifth one. But what, what do you think? The first, the first one just made a billion dollars. Oh, Joker. Joker, yeah. Joker's oh, yeah. his number one movie. And wow. then Meet the Fockers made like a ridiculous amount of money. Meet the Parents made a lot of money. Then the fourth biggest is Shark Tale. What? <laughs> that just about killed me when I saw that. Shark Tale Freaking. is the fourth biggest movie of all time. Freaking kids. And then, yeah. little, and then little Fockers. Little Fockers is his, uh, his fifth biggest. Oh, Fockers little franchise. Fockers. Yeah, the there was Fockers a third franchise. one? Yeah, there, yes, there was a third yeah. one. Oh, man. I, you know, I, I can't remember the second one, so yes. I mean, the, there was a third one. So. <laughs> <laughs> everybody. It was like the Lethal Weapon 4 poster. The gang's all here. I, I assume that's oh. what the tagline had, had to be. <laughs> all right. That was games. Let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to some out now. Feedback. 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 <laughs> We're going to various questions and answers on our Facebook page. Facebook.com. Podcast. We asked a number of questions of the listeners. They gave us answers. And we didn't get any questions this week, but we got some. We got some questions here. I'm going to go over them. Uh, Marcus, Robert, feel free to uh, jump in with some answers if you uh, see fit. Here's the first one. As we haven't seen him in a while, what's the best Joe Pesci performance? Justin writes, my cousin Vinny. Catherine writes, I really enjoy his comedic roles, and he stole the show in Lethal Weapon as Leo Getz. He was hilarious. Alan Aguilera, friend of the show, writes, Home Alone. He had a Home Alone gift, but honestly, Goodfellas hands down. Scott writes, love the dinner scene in Goodfellas with his mom. Kareen writes, he's done some great work, but I think The Irishman is his best performance to date. He's brilliant. Christopher has Between My Cousin Vinny and JFK. 
Michael Lee from mm-hmm. the show has Gone Fishing, written by J.J. Abrams, but in all seriousness, Nikki Santoro. <laughs> <laughs> Chris writes Tommy DeVito, and Janice writes, I agree, The Irishman. What's Joe Pesci's best performance? I love my cousin Vinny, so what am, I gotta say it. I mean, it is great. My cousin <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah, I go the Irishman. As far as yeah. like just like pure pure acting, like what he's giving and what he's you know letting others give to him, yeah, I, I think it kind of is like maybe his best performance. Like it's so yeah. rich, but I mean, yeah, of the of youth and a grit. <laughs> A grit. <laughs> a grit? <laughs> You're telling me a grit? <laughs> uh, the next question here. What's your favorite post-1992 scent of a woman Al Pacino performance? I needed to make this question specific. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Stephen writes, you don't know Jack or Angels in America. Scott Mendelson, friend of the show, mm-hmm. writes, Donnie Brasco, subtle, and devil's advocate, not subtle. Uh, Kareen writes, Donnie Brasco deserved an Oscar. He and his wig and Pesci really shine. In, he and Pesci really shine in the Irishman. Um, Chris writes, Heat or Devil's Advocate. And Alan mm-hmm. put a gif of Heat with Al Pacino screaming at people because that's what he does. <laughs> What's your favorite post Scent of a Woman Al Pacino performance? Hmm. I do think I... Donnie Brasco is very good. I, I, I mean, that mm-hmm. is, a, is a lot of reflection not unlike this movie although he's more the de niro in, in that movie than he is here um i um i say merchant merchant of venice um oh, yeah. also i don't know i i love and <laughs> i love any given sunday i just just a soft yeah, spot in my heart <laughs> i like his performance in that even though yeah. it's crazy bonkers but i, I haven't seen I that know. since it came out it's since what 97 so it's been a minute since i've seen any given sunday but i do recall liking it i didn't recall that it was 160 minutes i was like oh man this is a long movie when am i gonna ever revisit this <laughs> it, it is the stereotypical al pacino over the top performance and i can't i can't hate it <laughs> is that the last like oliver stone does like oliver stone really big movie i'm trying to think of like an oliver stone movie that really feels like an all-encompassing oliver stone film because after that's what like U Turn and God, what else? World Trade Center, uh, Daria, uh. which is like meh, and Snowden, which is like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 that I, might I, be it. I feel like that was the last like Oliver Stone's making an all- Alexander. That's the other one. Oh boy, um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's what I was like super excited for too, and it's like, how did this disappoint? Like it has all of these things. <laughs> <laughs> There's oh, it's if you, the uh, Marcus, you're the resident Shia fan, Wall Street. Oh yeah, never oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> how did I forget the greatest that? performance? How did I forget how, that? How did, I'm how really did dropping the wall. Too. I'm gonna get a call from the Shia fan club, and I'm not gonna be too happy. The you San Jose we... chapter is not gonna be too happy with me. Remember how we all do our like favorite legacy sequels, and we're constantly saying, "Yeah, Mad Max, Force Awakens, and Mo- Wall Street Two: Money Never Sleeps." Like that's that's those are the three. <laughs> of course. All right. Next question: What Martin Scorsese movie has the best ensemble cast? Alan writes Wolf of Wall Street. Christopher has The Aviator, and Chris has Casino. Uh, Gangs of New York is fantastic. That's it's a, a good cast. Yeah, that's a really strong cast. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I, um, yeah, I guess Gangs of New York. Yeah, that's a great. It, it is a great cast. Um, <laughs> um, no, actually, as, as I think the most the most interesting one, and I wouldn't say like cast in the in the the usual sense, but um, but the last waltz. Um, oh, as a okay. doc, you know, yeah, there's some heavy hitters of that. No, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you'd say the same about um about the uh, the doc he made to this 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 year, um, the Bob Dylan one, Rolling Thunder. Rolling Thunder. Yeah. That is that is another like great set of artists performing all over that one. That, by the way, I, I I talked about this when it came out, but I really do like that doc a lot. That's another like three and a half hour movie, but I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I like. I'm not a music guy. I'm especially not like. I like Bob Dylan enough, but I'm not thinking like, man, I can't wait to listen to a new Bob Dylan album all the time. But like, I was just into it. I was just into the vibe of that movie. Uh, oh, I, I love that. I love it so much. I'm a big Bob Dylan fan. There you go. Film so sums up Bob Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> all right, next one. What are some great films about reflecting on one's life? Jeff has Forrest Gump <laughs> and The Emperor's New Groove. Uh, Scott has It's a Wonderful Life, A Christmas Carol, Hiroshima Mon Amour, Wild Strawberries, Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind, and Citizen Kane, to name a few. Mary has Angel Angela's Ashes. Brian has Not the Irishman. Uh, Alan has The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Let me tell you something about The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, by the way. As they were getting older, he was getting younger. <laughs> um, and Justin has Young Guns, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes I order these on purpose. Sometimes I forget that I need to arrange them. And that's a good closer to that question. <laughs> any, any films about recapping, what, like reflecting on one's life? Uh, I, I mean, while we're on the Scorsese Raging Bull. Uh, no, for sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, Unforgiven. Oh yeah, that's a, that's okay. a spectacular film. I'll throw a twenty-four hour party people in there with uh, Steve Coogan. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. I love that movie. Uh, let's see. Next question we have here: While they only make up a small segment of his expansive career, rank the Scorsese gangster films. Uh, Renee has. I'm assuming this is. I think this is number one, going one to five. Goodfellas, The Departed, Gangs of New York, The Irishman, Mean Streets, and Casino. Corinne has Goodfellas, Departed, Gangs of New York, The Irishman, so the exact same, but yeah, Casino and Mean Streets. Um, where do you guys stand? How uh, would you rank these these gangster movies, you think? I don't know if that's a loaded question or not. I have Irishman at number one. I, I think I mentioned that before, but Irishman, uh, Goodfellas, um, Gangs of New York, Casino, and Departed. Mean Streets? Mean Street. Well, all right, okay, okay. Uh, Departed's gonna be the last one. Uh, mean Streets. I uh, I haven't seen Mean Streets in so long. Uh, I'll put it under Casino because I I like Casino. I do. I you know the glasses and everything. I I like Casino. I'm not with Aaron. Aaron hates Casino, but I I really. I have nothing against Casino. I like Casino. I like Casino more than three of these. Let me see here. Let me think about this. I I'd probably. I'd probably say Goodfellas, then Irishman. I'm a huge Mean Streets fan, so I put Mean Streets there. 
then Casino, then The Departed, then Gangs of New York. I've seen Gangs of New York once, uh, so I don't know. I don't have the freshest of takes on Gangs of New York. Hmm. Yeah, I've got I, I, Irishman's number one for me. I really love Gangs of New York. Um, and then Casino, Goodfellas, Departed, Main Streets. All right. Okay. Let's see. The next question we have here. Favorite film is about holding on to power. Corinne has The Godfather, same actor, different power struggle. Good point. Uh, Scott writes Citizen Kane and Macbeth. Yeah. Who's hmm. about holding on to power? Um, it's not the whole film, but Apocalypse Now. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dark Crystal? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's good. All right. What are some great actor collaborations between two greats? Brian White, right, friend of the show, he writes CGI Venom and Tom Hardy. <laughs> okay. Justin has, Justin has De Niro and Pacino in Heat. Corinne has the Hamilton women with Vivian Lee and Laurence Olivier. And Catherine has mm. Grumpy Old Men with Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon, who are great together and so funny. Great collaborations between two great actors. The correct answer is Ralph Macho and Pat Morita. <laughs> it's, it's when two towering titans got together, that's for sure. Um, Mo, I mean, mostly it was a Butch Cassidy and Sun, in the Sundance Kid, but my favorite Redford um, uh, Newman pairing is actually uh, um, The Sting. Sting's great. Sting's yeah. Fantastic. This was more recent, but I, I do like pointing it out. I really like um, um, James Mangold's 310 to Yuma remake, and I really like Russell Crowe oh and Vale in it together. I think I think they I think they're like really electrifying together. I, I really think that combination worked well, and especially as a western and as a remake, I just think they they them playing like opposites of each other. I think is just really great work. So that's one I'd like to shout out. Yeah, awesome. Travolta and, and Samuel Jackson. Mm. In, in what basic? Ba- yeah, basic. <laughs> yes. uh... <laughs> exactly. You read I, just raised the, I just raised the IMDb star meter for that movie. <laughs> you read. All right. All right. That was feedback. 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 Thank you. <laughs> let's uh, let's start wrapping things up here. Let's do the little out now presents what's out now. These movies that are coming out on Blu-ray, DVD, 4K, streaming, and all of that noise this week. First up, for all the home media we have, well, speaking of, we have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's out on all uh, right. Blu-ray. Uh, feel, free yes. to, feel free to give a yay or nay to these as I go through them. And yeah, that's, that's a big yay for me. I just reviewed the Blu-ray on Why So Blue. Um, it, it's got some awesome. features, and it looks great. Um, let's see. It, Chapter 2. I liked it. I really liked it. <laughs> I would watch it again. I would not. <laughs> uh, I'll put it this way. I've spent about nine hours watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I've spent seven hours watching The Irishman. I'm pretty good with just having the two and a half on it, chapter two. <laughs> uh, let's see. Monos is out this week. I was a big fan of Monos. Yeah, yeah, I really love Monos. Yeah, that's a... That's a good, it's like I'm in this mode of like I have to make a top ten very soon and I'm like this movie hasn't left my mind guys like I really like Monos quite a bit. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, Linda Ronstadt, The Sound of My Voice. 
a documentary about Linda Ronstadt. And <laughs> and let's see, Freaks. Not the Todd Browning Freaks, but there is a recent movie called Freaks about uh, people with superpowers. Um, that I thought was actually pretty neat. Oh. Um, let's see. What else? On uh, Twin Peaks from A to Z. So everything Twin Peaks TV related has a new Blu-ray release this week. Everything except, I think, um, the... <laughs> Uh, fire walk with me fire walk with me exactly yes so like the, the old <laughs> the old series and the new series that's okay. a new big blu-ray package for fans of that series um specialty stuff on criterion we have until the end of the world the vim vendors film which has a the like extended director's cut of that movie which i think is like five speaking of long movies like five hours or something like that um as well as old joy uh, oh, uh, the Cotton Club Encore Edition is out this week. This is Francis Ford Coppola's new, like, restored cut of the Cotton Club. Uh, Robert, you know about this, I assume, right? The uh, the nature of this movie? No, actually, I don't. Oh, you don't? Okay. Uh, what happened? I th- I read something from somebody. I thought I thought you tweeted about this at some point. But regardless, um, back in the day, back in the eighties, when when Coppola was releasing the Cotton Club, he was advised by his producers, including uh, recently deceased Robert Evans, that he should excise some of the black stories, the black subplots from this film to kind of make it more marketable. He always regretted this choice. He always regretted the fact that he had to, like, dwindle down, like, Gregory Hines' stuff and what have you to, like, make it a shorter movie and one that focuses less on the black characters. So he's made a new cut of the film that restores all of the stuff he originally had in the movie. And I am very interested to see this new cut of The Cotton Club, which was already... A good movie, and from everything I've heard about it, because it's had a very limited screening release, it's an even better movie. And it's like I don't, I don't know what Coppola is making as far as new movies, but as far as restoring old movies between Apocalypse Now, the final cut, and this, like I'm all into whatever Coppola is up to right now with his older movies. So. <laughs> if there's if there's a good yeah. cut of Jack out there, like I'm all for that because that movie is horrendously bad. <laughs> Extended cut. Uh... <laughs> Uh, let's see. On Scream Factory this week, we have the abominable snowman of the Himalayas. That's just fun to say. I needed to say that out loud. And um, the Fly Collection. Uh, this is all five movies of the Fly, including the original Son of the Fly and the Curse of the Fly from the 50s and 60s. And then, of course, The Fly with Jeff Goldblum and The Fly 2 with Eric Stoltz. That's right. There was a Son of the Fly? Yeah, it was like Son of the Mask, except in the 50s. Oh, it's not like some of the mask at all, but it wasn't. The 50s. It was a, there, there are yes, there were two sequels to the Fly, the original. <laughs> uh, let's see what else is out. The Fanatic is out this week, guys. I I talked about this movie a couple weeks ago. It's on. It was already on Prime. Now it's on Blu-ray. So obviously I need to get a copy. Limp Bizkit's Fred Durst directs the hell out of the Fanatic, featuring John Travolta as a man obsessed with Devin Sawa. It is certainly a movie that I've watched. I've heard such horrible things. I have not watched it. I'm very interested in seeing it, honestly. Like, I, I, I said this. It, it's it very so good watchable. It's, it's not. It's not like. It's got. It's not. A, I wouldn't call it a good movie, but it's certainly watchable. Like it's a. It's. It has a lot more going on than I think you'd expect, as okay. far as how well put together it seems to have been. It's. It's. Okay, you well, know, talking about Robert De Niro. I mean, is it? The, I saw the fan. That's. I like the fan. <laughs> Oh, the fans are good. Yeah, I like the fan. Tony, it's like Tony Scott right before he went really overboard with all of his like, yeah. let me see how many crazy things I can do with my camera. It's like it's right there, <laughs> and and Wesley Snipes for that matter. And Our Wesley Snipes. Wesley. Yeah, yeah. The I, fan. Is it a... like that? <laughs> I mean, at all? 
in terms of there's a person obsessed with another person, yes, it fits into that genre. <laughs> how crazy is um how crazy is John Travolta in this? Is he there's like point, let me say also well for one thing, he plays a character that's not diagnosed with anything specifically, but you can tell he's like playing a guy with you know, a disorder. <laughs> That's what he's going for. Oh, but as far as how crazy, also, <laughs> not the spoiler, there's, a, there's a part where he does have his, like the Devin Sawa tied up and he starts impersonating things. And it's like, this is, like there's, there's some funny stuff going on here as far as what he's doing. Oh, man. It's like 90 minutes of prime. I can't say don't watch it. So there. Okay. <laughs> uh, lastly, I will watch that. Yeah. <laughs> Lastly, the uh, it was a movie that was like perfect for me, like to do stuff in the like I was doing work while that was on in the background. It's perfect for that. It's like, yeah, I haven't seen this. I don't need to, but I don't need to spend ninety minutes paying full attention to it. So it nailed me for that reason. <laughs> um, what was I gonna say? Oh, Jim Jarmusch's The Limits of Control has a new Blu-ray Blu- Blu- release this week for Jim Jarmusch fans. Not my favorite Jarmusch, but I'm a Jim Jarmusch fan. So there you go. Um, stream now streaming this week on Netflix. We have Marriage Story, which I already mentioned, and. Let's see, not much else. We're in the middle of things, but that was the biggest new thing. But also, It Comes at Night is now on Netflix. I'm a huge fan of that film. And that has uh, Kelvin Harrison Jr., who's having quite the year between Waves and Loose right now. So you can see that other movie he did that I really Loose. I, I know you're a huge fan of Loose. So. <laughs> I love Loose. Oh, thank you. i waving that banner since Sundance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't dislike Loose. I just don't like yeah, it as much Aaron, as you what's do. up with you? What's I don't dislike. You, I just don't like it as much as I like Waves. It's have you seen Waves yet, Marcus? I haven't seen Waves yet. Well, you got to see Waves. Have you seen it's Loose? Yeah, I see. <laughs> I cut Loose. <laughs> <laughs> I like Waves. I do like Waves. I I like I like Loose more. I, Octavia Spencer is amazing in that film. Mm-hmm. She's very good. I don't deny that. <laughs> They're very good. <laughs> On uh on Prime this week, uh the last black man in San Francisco, which I think we all love. So there you go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and um, let's see, Fast Color is now on Prime. I'm a big fan of this film, so I'm happy to say it's on Prime. You can all see it. And um, uh, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel season three is now on on Prime as well. So fans of the of that series, there you go. Um, all right, that's what's uh, coming out now. Let's uh, last thing we do here. Or sorry, first up, next week's show. Next week, we're probably going to talk Jumanji, the next level, but there are a number of releases. we got Clint Eastwood's Richard Jewell. We have Bombshell, which I think is only limited, and then it expands the week after. And it says Uncut Gems is going wide, but I have my doubts about how wide that's going to be, so we'll see. But that movie is going to be talked about at some point because it's Uncut Gems, and that's the end of that sentence. Um, But yeah, expect Jumanji, but there will be other things going on as well. Last thing we do here, what should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Marcus, what should people see in theaters right now? Uh, well, I mean, I'm going to go Netflix and say, oh, man, Marriage Story, because I just saw it, and it's, like, really, I want to go, like, right now and watch it again. Um, and you know how big of a fan I am of Kevin Hart and The Rock collab? So yeah, I'm going to see, I'm going to see <laughs> Oh man, I you know I'll probably support Clint Eastwood over 
Kevin Hart. I, I don't know. I, if Uncut Gems is around, I'll see that. Did you see Jumanji, though? <laughs> I did see Jumanji. I liked it. But Jack Black is my man, so I will... I, I think... There's uh, just enough Kevin Hart in that to not be annoying. Did you see Hobbs and Shaw? <laughs> I did see Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is what I saw. Yes. I feel like I should have texted you like, uh, make sure you see Hobbs and Shaw. Wink, wink, wink. Before you be like, right before you went inside. <laughs> uh, remember, yeah. remember how you watched Hobbs and Shaw? Was, like, was I on the podcast for that one? I'm not no, sure. you were, no, you weren't on the pod. No, I know who was on the okay. podcast for that one. I'm sure you okay. we probably talked to a few about it. Yeah, because I, I was in there and I was totally blindsided. <laughs> I, thought, I, thought, I was like, oh, no, really? Man. <laughs> I, like how he has one, I like how he has one scene and they're like, Marcus is clearly going to love this scene. We need to shoot another scene with him where he has clearly, <laughs> he, he has clearly different hair because we shot this like months later. But it's going to work because people love me seeing more Kevin Hart. Oh, <laughs> Evan. Well, we'll right. see. I mean, the trailers do look funny. I'm not. It has a horse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, There's a character poster. I saw it yesterday on and I were driving back from a hidden life, and I saw the character poster of just the horse for Jumanji. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Robert, where, what should people go and see in theaters right now? Uh, Queen and Slim, which we talked about earlier. I think that's definitely, you know, it's a film that takes big swings, doesn't always hit, but it's great seeing those big swings. I, I will always, always champion those films. Um, so that uh, and Marriage Story, like we were talking about, I got to see Marriage Story. Great. What are you seeing next? Uh, you know what? I don't know. My, my screening schedule is pretty light because the um, awards had <laughs> a, a little bit over a week. Um, I've got the, we've everyone has this date circled in Chicago. We're we're being screened at episode nine at like in the morning, and then during the late afternoon, we're getting cats. So, oh, wow, <laughs> get any better. Yeah, see, I, I'm not I'm not lucky enough where I can uh, see one in the morning and one in the evening. So I had to make a big choice between Cats and Star Wars. How did it you took choose? me hours? <laughs> How did I choose? Well, I, I did what any normal person would do. I took my Star Wars Blu-ray, put it in the middle of a put it in the middle of the floor, got two cats and saw and like it was, it's had and wrote Star Wars on one and Cats on the other, and whichever one made it to the Blu-ray first was the one the movie that I was going to pick. That's of course logical. Yeah, neither of them went to the Blu-ray. They just ran around in circles for hours, so I'm seeing nothing that day. That's That was the solution. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I will support the, the Queen and Slim vote because I do think that movie's quite good, and I'm, I'm glad it's kind of holding on a bit at the box office amidst all the other things out there right now. Uh, Waves is very good if you can find it. Uh, Knives Out's a lot of fun. Marriage Story, Dolomite, and Irishman are all on Netflix, so that's easy enough right there, too. And The Report is on, on Prime now, also. Speaking of Adam Driver movies, as he oh, dominates yeah. the, the December season. Um, <laughs> Star Wars coming up as well. Uh, so yeah, all those. All, that, all that's good. A lot of good stuff. And um, I'm, yeah, I'm seeing Jumanji next, but I'm also seeing Six Underground this week, the Michael Bay film. I get to see it on a big screen, which I'm kind of happy about. So, uh, got that going for me. <laughs> so take that, cats. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, with all that said, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now Theron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodazeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. You can also find me writing uh, weekly movie reviews and some TV stuff at Wheel of Entertainment. And I'm also on Twitter, at Aaron's PS4. Robert Daniels, where can people find more of you online? They can find me at my site, 812 Film Reviews. Um, they can find me also at the playlist from time to time, RogerEbert.com, Mediaversity. And coming up this upcoming week, I'm debuting in Consequence of Sound. I'm going to be counting down the top 20 black directed films of the decade. Oh, very Ooh. cool. Uh, I look right. forward to reading that list, and if I remember, I will share it on the Out Now Facebook page. Hell yeah, um, Marcus Marcus Robinson. Where can people find more of you online? Uh, MoviesMarcus.com uh, on Twitter, MoviesMarcus. Uh, if you you can come to Instagram, you know I'll I'll talk to you. Um, <laughs> and and. Uh, and uh, Aaron, uh, I don't know if you remember that one time that I won a game. <laughs> Yeah, I remember. There we go. I'll finish with that. Yeah, your, your crown will arrive shortly. Uh, I've, I've noticed that you replaced writing reviews and Instagram stories with random pictures. Yeah, that's my thing now. So, <laughs> oh, when I get done, yeah, I'll do like stick figures. And if you're, you know, if you're into that kind of stuff, you know, if you want to chat about your day or whatever's whatever's in your mind. I'm here. All right. Well, Marcus Robinson Therapy <laughs> Session aside, that's going to do it for this week's episode. You can find all the other episodes of Out Now Therapy on iTunes, Audio Boom, Spotify, and Stitcher. Email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, twitter.com slash underscore podcast, or instagram.com slash underscore podcast. Yeah, all of those things. Next week, we'll talk about all kinds of... We got this December is packed with movies, so we got plenty of stuff to go over. Thank you, Robert and Marcus, for joining me this evening. Thank you. Thank you. For sure. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> Thanks to the listeners for listening in. Feel free to leave us a review on iTunes again. That'd be great to have. But until next time, so long and goodbye. You went away and left me long time ago. Now you come back knocking on my door. I hear you knocking. But you can't come in. Thank you.